Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Uh, well, if you go to preferences on the top left, you should be able to detect it. Yeah, it's, but that's, yeah, it, it will. Are you cool if I start recording, by the way? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it will. That's the thing is like, it'll come up. I'll, I'll select it. It'll say like, sure, whatever, MV1, go through. And it will like feedback perfectly. And then whenever a guest comes on, they start talking. And it's always, they can't hear me. And it's like, fuck, but whatever, man. It's not the end of the world. I'll figure it out. All right. Well, I have superlatives for like most of my guests. Like one of these guys, he's this like bald English dude. He wrote a book called The Drug User's Bible. Mm-hmm. It took like 157 different drugs. And, like he was like, he was like the strangest guest. He's like a sweet old man. I had on a former Delta Force guy who's also a CIA mercenary. He's the most, he's definitely the most like badass guest I've ever had on. He's like Jason Bourne. <clears throat> You're definitely like the coolest. You, you've got, you're definitely the coolest. Cause like, you know, you're an incredibly talented writer. You're very eloquent. You know, I follow your Instagram religiously. You're incredibly positive. But normally it's like the universe will hand you like, you get like one or the other. It's like, you can be like intelligent and well-speaking, but you're going to like, you're going to look like a goblin. Or it can be, you can, you know, I'm heterosexual, but you can be like a muscled, handsome dude. And then you get both. And it's a, kind of pisses me off it you know i get a little jealous but you're definitely like the coolest not to just completely like begin with like jerking you off but like yeah that's yeah you're definitely the coolest but for everyone that doesn't know you you are don romanelli you're a best-selling author you are i believe health advisor to arnold schwarzenegger uh, was it um, yeah yeah and i've seen your writing on on it.com everyone knows on it through joe rogan and um but how I know you is you're an incredibly positive person who openly talks about mental health online. And as someone that's lost a sibling to suicide and as someone that has gone down that road a couple of times myself and who has lost multiple extended family members to suicide, I always love how you approach it. And to tie back in to kind of how I started this was it's, it's always refreshing hearing it from someone like you. Because, you know, from the first standpoint, it's like, okay, here's this, like, handsome dude who's successful. He can write like a motherfucker. Like, everyone loves him. And then you can hear you discuss your battles with mental health. And it's like, no one is immune. It's not, it's, you know, my older brother was getting, was doing research with Georgia Tech and had a smoking hot girlfriend. And he took his life. And it's, to me, it it sort of shatters any, not the not the assumed stigma of, you know, mental health has a stigma, but rather you would see someone like yourself or like my older, whose ironically name was John. And it's, you always think, well, no, you're not that guy, you know, what could he have wrong? Or, you know, uh, Robin Williams, it's like, well, you know, what could he have going on? And then it's like, dude, it, you know, mental illness comes with 
and it fucks everyone with the same dick with no no preference. It, it, it likes to fuck over lives, period. I'm babbling on without having letting you said a word. How about you introduce yourself, man? I'm sorry. That's okay. <clears throat> I, no, I appreciate it. It's, it's, a, it's a delicate topic, and it's, it's difficult to know. So um, for those listeners who don't know or don't care or, or haven't to this point cared or don't want to Google, as Tommy mentioned, my name is John Romanello. I am known in certain circles for different things. I got my start many years back in the fitness industry and started a very um, humble blog uh, based on the name of my personal training company, which was Roman Fitness Systems, which grew into a, an online personal training company and a very large content site. <coughs> then transitioned into my second company, Wellspring Media, uh, which is more of a, a, a business and consulting firm. We work with small to mid-sized businesses, uh, entrepreneurs looking to build their, their business or their platforms. We work with brands who are interested in establishing brand narrative. And uh, as a facet of that, one of the arms of that is writing mentorship. And I, I help people write books, particularly people who have an existing platform. I have worked with everyone from Arnold Schwarzenegger, as you mentioned. I've worked with doctors and lawyers. I've worked with any number of fitness professionals. And um, it's been an interesting, circuitous journey, which has had at various points pivots that now in retrospect seem inevitable, but at the time certainly seemed surprising and unexpected. And one of those was a pivot into mental health advocacy and being very open about my own struggle with depression, suicidal ideation, and a number of attempts on my own life. And within the context of this conversation, I think we'll, we'll probably focus a lot on that. To touch on what you said, <clears throat> mental health does not, it does not discriminate. It does not, um, you know, the outward perception of a person is irrelevant to their inward perception of themselves and whatever might have happened in their life or whatever may be happening as a result of brain chemistry. And there are people like Anthony Bourdain, who to the outside world has made it to the pinnacle of his career and is known across the world, gets to travel the world, eating good food, being in you know the coolest places doing the coolest things is universally loved and regarded by his fans and it helped create a genre of television i think in, in a lot of ways tony created vlogging and it none of that mattered you know when you're alone in the wolf hours of the night and the demons are attacking you in the ways that only they can uh, all that matters is how you get them to stop depression, anxiety, PTSD, bipolar disorder, mental illness is the disease and suicide is how it tends to kill people. That is the manifestation of it. And the thing about which I speak is really helping people feel okay sharing their experiences because I think that is important. It really, it does facilitate conversation and allows them to feel less alone and the other part of it is helping people who themselves do not suffer from any of those conditions. Maybe after reading my stuff or hearing some of my stories or the stories of others I help share, 
they may have some greater insight into what the people they care about are experiencing. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 such a it's such a weird thing because you know, it it always feels like the first hurdle is getting people or the public at large to like even admit that it's a real thing, you know, yeah. and not just like toughen up, you know, suck it up. But then the next thing is is like no one really know like people that do <clears throat> admit that it's real i remember when i was in one of my lowest spots one of my best friends texted me and he was in it i mean i've known him almost my whole life and he was just he was like i don't know like i don't know anything about this like i he's like i'm blessed and that i wake up with a smile every day he's like i don't know how to help you but like i want to help you he's like like teach me how to learn and it it's, it was it almost took me back because I was like I I never had someone kind of be so open. Most of the time, it's convincing people that you're not just being a bitch, right? It's you know one thing I always I always compare it to is like as as a biology major and someone who got into medical school. Apparently, I can't go an episode without saying that because I have to stroke my own ego. But it's I always tell people like drinking and driving is illegal, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to drink and drive. I'd lose my job. Okay. Would you right now, would you take 10 shots and then try to drive a half hour to Walmart? No, I wouldn't. Why? Because I'm going to get fucked up. So, okay, so we're on the same page. You acknowledge that taking this liquid into your body is going to be absorbed, go past the blood-brain barrier and fuck you up. Okay, so what is that? At its base level, it is just, what? It's, it's just a molecule, right? Ethanol. So we both agree that a physical substance is going to change your mind so much it could fuck you up. How is so now you must you must agree that just a balance in neurotransmitters could also fuck you up. And if you are open to the idea that alcohol could make you smitten or loud or angry, well, if you are open to that and concur that that's true, you then have to be open to the idea that any chemical can cause any outcome. And again, to you, you might be saying like, Tommy, why the fuck are you saying this? But it's, you, you kind of have to like walk people into it to be like, you, you experience it. If you've ever smoked pot or drink, you know that matter, the tangible can affect the intangible, the subjective experience. And so why couldn't it just happen natively instead of taking in a substance? So yeah, and that being said, it's there's no it's not, it's not unique to any individual, you know, it's not, there are things in your life that can, that can definitely, you know, from the outside, you know, where everyone feels it, your girlfriend broke up with you, you gained a bunch of weight, you lost your job, whatever, you feel like an idiot. But then, but there's, it, there's nothing on the outside. It doesn't, it doesn't manifest itself as like, you know, horns or like a droopy face. Like, like I said, you know, someone as successful as, as, um, Robin Williams can have it. Or again, like yourself, you just want to look at you and be like, that guy, like, you're not weak. Like you're clearly not weak, but it can very quickly go to, well, he doesn't, he doesn't manifest anything as weakness. How can someone like him possibly suffer from it? So that being said, you had, you had posted a while back about your experiences with, with ayahuasca, right? Was it ayahuasca? 
would would you like to talk about that? I, I want to ask you about that. How is how is that? <clears throat> is there a question in there? Yeah. Um, well, okay, well, okay, let me, okay, sorry. Yeah, that wasn't really a question. Hey, man, ayahuasca, question mark. Yeah, no, it's, I've done uh, psychedelics on, on four occasions in my life, and they have all been extremely beneficial to my long-term mental health and in what I want to do in life. You know, the first time was right after I graduated, and I realized I didn't want to do medical school. The next time was uh, a couple months after my brother took his life. The next time after that was the one year anniversary of when my brother took his life. And the next time after that was brought me to the realization that like, holy shit, I'm like, I'm a powder keg of like suicidal ideation. Like I, I need to move home. I need to seek help. They've all helped me on massive levels. And they've always, you know, despite how scared I am going into it, you know, what is this going to do? How, you know, am I going to have a bad trip? It's always been beneficial. And then completely turn, I become a hypocrite. And then I look at something like ayahuasca and I look at that as like the big daddy. And I'm terrified of it. But at the same time, I feel like if you can, so I mean, it's kind of like, it is the hero's journey. It's like, if you can walk in there and slay the dragon, like, what do you get out of it? And I think it's important to ask you about that because you're someone that on a lot of levels I can I Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Have it to get 30 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20 20, 20 bit to get 20 20, bit to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Identify with. And so I can almost vicariously experience it through you, if that makes sense. Um, well, because, you know, you, you get other people talk about it and it's, you know, I can't really relate to it. It's a 50-year-old shaman sure. on the Amazon. So. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that anyone can relate to anyone's ayahuasca experience other than to you know have like a very surface level understanding of what that other person went through because it is so internal like all psychedelics um for the listeners out there who who may not um have an understanding <clears throat> psychedelics or entheogens are a class of drug that uh what what they do in terms of your experience is they they lead to your ego dissolving which mm -hmm. means an ego I, I you know by that i hope everyone understands it. i don't mean conceit or arrogance ego is the latin word for i so it's the part of your brain of your psyche that recognizes itself as an independent ent entity so operationally the dissolution of the ego means you lose your object subject relation and the the more that you take, the more profound and extreme that effect is. <clears throat> but there's still a part of your subconscious that recognizes itself as uh, as an individual or as a as a part of, of uh, as a conscious thing. And so now it can analyze you um, objectively. And from a medical perspective, psychedelics, you know, if you don't want to think of them as spiritual, if you just want to look at them as as 
chemicals. They activate a part of the brain that is not normally active. This leads to uh, activation of the cerebral cortex and it affects the way that you perceive light and you see everything from fractals to uh, you know, optics behaving differently what people consider hallucinations. But all of them are useful in the right contexts and their purpose as medicine is to help you heal or to allow yourself deeper knowledge of yourself and the dissolution of the ego is necessary for that because our ego our understanding of the self is not just this outward facing uh thing that we're like okay that's who i am my name is john and this is where i am and all that it's also our understanding of ourselves, and we are meaning makers and we give all of this credence to the experiences we have and we can't view them through any eyes other than our own and when you take ayahuasca or psilocybin or lsd they they manifest differently and you'll have different experiences of each of them but on a sort of surface level they allow you to be objective about the subjective and you get to see yourself as a character or as, a, as an independent third party and that allows you to look at the things that have happened to you and move through them <clears throat> with regard to ayahuasca i went to costa rica to do this at a place called soltara healing center the ceremonies were three days in a row they were led by uh two shaman a maestro and a maestra and uh, i have i've detailed that if you're interested you can go to johnrimanola.com slash aya a y a and i have a, a a an article or an essay about that which contains links to not one but two podcasts i did it uh, i did about it with uh, my partner amanda and the my experience was challenging on the first night i i took enough that i was able to have a partial ego ego dissolution and that is challenging because you still are you but now you are looking at all the things you've done or experienced in a, in a new light and so it's they're very fresh the second night i had a deeper and complete ego nope second night was was uh, i took i took less of the medicine that was much gentler and then the third night i really like blasted off and uh, i went through a lot of stuff there's there's not a lot I can say about the experience of ayahuasca that hasn't been said by others or that I haven't said before. It isn't radically different from the experience of mushrooms, if you've used that. Uh, at least in that, like at the end afterward, you will feel similar. Like two or three days after, you'll you can feel pretty much the same, depending on your dosage of mushroom. Yeah. The thing that makes ayahuasca sort of special unto itself is the way that it is delivered. Uh, the, um, the, it's a tea brewed from the vine and the leaf of a plant. And when you drink it, you almost always have a gastrointestinal yeah. reaction to it. And so mushrooms are very much, they're known for giving you like gut rot, which is basically you eat them. And then the next day, like you kind of, you have some tummy trouble and yeah. you know, like you'll, you'll burp a lot and maybe you'll, you'll have uh, some bowel issues, either loose stool or diarrhea or something. Uh, 
that, but it manifests the next day. And so your mushroom trip is like, yeah, I'm like a little burpy, but this is fine. When you take ayahuasca, one, the thing that okay. keep, even, the thing that even people who don't know much about psychedelics know about ayahuasca, they always ask, like, did you shit yourself? Were you vomiting? Yeah. Like, yes, everybody, mostly everyone vomits. They give you um, this bucket, like as you're in ceremony, into which you are supposed to vomit. And that is part of the ceremony. You don't have to vomit. You are mo the response of the human body to this particular compound is to vomit. That's, you know, some, you will sweat, you will have snot, you will cry, you may shit yourself. I don't think anyone shit themselves, but you may have to like run to the bathroom and go. Yeah. You're still, you have cognition and you can move, you can locomote under your own power to, to, to get to the restroom. John? Sorry, I don't know what happened. Yeah, no, you just froze up. Yeah, you said move under your move, still get to the restroom. Yeah, you can still get to the restroom, but purging is part of it. And I think that when people who have done other psychedelics look at ayahuasca as like the the granddaddy, although that's an incorrect name, it is it's the grandmother. Okay, ayahuasca is it's a it's a it's a female plant. Okay, um, a a lot of that fear is just stuff that it's it, it's a detritus that you pick up and get stuck in your head from all of the people who just talk about the vomiting okay. it's you know it's it's a four to eight hour experience depending on how many times you dose and during that experience you're probably gonna puke yeah and, but in the the level of psychedelic experience you have and the intensity of it is is not going to be different than the level or, or the intensity of the psychedelic experience you can have on mushrooms okay. at a similar dose. So I have, just for the sake of helping with quantities, a standard dose of mushrooms, most people consider like a full dose, uh, like a full medical, like a, a plant medicine trip is 3.5 grams. Mm -hmm. A hero dose, what's called a hero dose or heroic dose, is yeah. five grams. Yeah. I have been in mushroom ceremonies where my first dose is 10 grams, and then my second dose is eight grams, and then my third dose is like between you know four and five. So I've gotten up to like 22 to 25 grams, and that level of, uh, of, of psychedelic experience, yeah. I would say is roughly comparable to my third night of ayahuasca where I took two full cups. And um, so the 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 devil's in the dose and mm -hmm. as they say ayahuasca and psilocybin are different plants and they have different effects um mushrooms seems to have a more grounding effect it's it's you know this experience of being um sort of brought into yourself and into the earth whereas ayahuasca has a more dissolving effect and you are simultaneously brought into the earth and into the stars and more at one with the collective consciousness. And it sounds very, very weird to say, and if you've never taken psychedelics, I want to just let you know, there's almost nothing I can do to describe it to you in a way that will do it justice. I would venture to say that if you're trying to understand psychedelics from someone who is explaining it, I, I possibly do you know, a good job, but imagine trying to explain the color red to someone who was born without sight. Imagine 
trying to explain sex to someone who has never had it. Yeah. You can do your best and use nouns and adjectives and verbs and to some degree give them an explanation, but there are some things that have to be experienced for you to understand them in even the most basic way. Mm -hmm. And so when I say ayahuasca is different than psilocybin because one brings you down into the earth and the other one brings you also into the stars, I don't know how to do it better than that. But my experience was very much looking at myself and, and in my actions and the things that have happened uh, around me and to me and for me and, and just doing my best to sort through those while I don't have any feelings about them and try to rearrange them in a way that allows me to live my life more effectively and heal and forgive myself. Ayahuasca is different from psilocybin because it, the, the ceremony itself is very structured. You are laying in a mattress. You're not allowed to interact with anyone. And, you know, that's not, uh, you know, how I typically... If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do psychedelic experiences. I'm more of a tribal person, and often it's a group of small people, and we're talking to one another, and there is that. So you're you very much doing your own work. Beyond that, I don't know what to say other than I... I there is nothing to fear. Uh, if, so you referenced Campbell and the hero's journey. It's a great scene in uh, The Empire Strikes Back when Luke is training on Dagobah with Yoda. And there's this cave from which dark side energy flows and, and it's very cold and Luke wants to explore it. And uh, <clears throat> Luke goes to bring in his, you know, he's belting on his, his utility belt, which has his blaster and his lightsaber. And Yoda says, your weapons, you will not need them. Mm. And Luke asks, what's in there? To which Yoda replies, only what you bring with you. And Campbell says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. He elsewhere says that there are always guardians. Yeah. And in that particular case, what Luke is seeking is resolution and and with his father and so he runs into vader but when, when he is able to defeat him he sees himself behind the masks mm -hmm. because what he really needs is first resolution with himself mm -hmm. and with ayahuasca you are the only stuff that's there is what you bring with you that what you said about stepping outside and looking at them with no feelings that it almost made me think of like it's like surgery with and without anesthesia. It's like, it's like without it, it's like pre-Victorian era medicine. It's, I read a book about, but they literally used to go in there and it'd be like a big guy would hold you down and he would literally just go in despite you screaming and trying to get away. You know, the best doctors were the ones that could do it the quickest because the people wouldn't struggle and accidentally get, you know, chopped up in ways that they weren't meant to. But then, you know, come anesthesia, it, the entire quality and complexity of operations went through the roof because they could work for so much longer. And that kind of makes me think of like, you know, 
when you have like a real anxiety attack or need something that takes a while to get into and you got to face it, you know, it's like whenever I have an anxiety attack, I'm always like, like I'm already here. Like I'm already in the, like in the shit, like try to grab something. It might not be the crown jewel, but try to grab something. You're already in here. You're already in the cold waters. Grab a jewel, something that you can come back and go, what was this about? Was this about the relationship with my dad? Was it about the relationship with my mom? Is it about substance use? Is it about, you know, treating friends poorly? But you can only stay there for so long because like the fire is so great to the point where I mean, literally start hyperventilating and, and need, you know, need something to bring you down. But from just what you said, that made me think of it. It's like, you can almost go in and you're just looking at them as it's like playing operation, but you like disabled the buzzer. So you can literally go in and make mistakes. And yeah, man, it's, I, you know, the first time I ever did mushrooms, that was, it was two grams. It was with one friend. The second time was like two grams. The third time was five. And the fourth time was, is a, is a little over 20. And it was with 1200 micrograms of LSD. And it was by myself. That'll, yeah, that'll yeah. melt your head. Yeah. yeah so that's just so everyone knows that is 12 right. doses of LSD and about, uh, eight doses, eight standard doses of mushrooms. So you're taking 20 doses of psychedelics, more or less. I was, yeah, I was, dude, I was, was not in a good place in my life. And I've never done psychedelics. They always say, you know, be in a good spot. I always use them as like, shits hit the fan and you got to shoot the flare gun. You got to get the cavalry. I've always done them when everything in my life is coming to a head. Cause I'm like, what better way to go in there than to have the ultimate map? You don't want the ultimate map when everything's fine. You know where you're going. You want the ultimate map when you have no idea where you are. And well, I, th- I hear you. And I, respect the, I respect that position. Another, a reframe might be you, maybe you don't have to wait for everything to come to a head to deal with some of these things. Maybe if you go in when everything is fine, you can sort out some of the issues in advance so that they don't all culminate in this really dark time yeah yeah you don't you don't you don't have to manufacture crisis in your life to allow yourself to do the work to heal sure and that is something i learned i don't have to manufacture crisis i don't have to let things get bad and put out fires because that's what i am accustomed to that's what i grew up with i can just like deal with it now i don't have to let all the dishes pile up i can just like clean the one bowl and it's fine you know that's god damn i needed to hear that yeah because i've i i would always kind of turn to them when i'd be like shit's hit the fan you know don't know what i'm doing i was going to be a doctor now i'm not girlfriend's parents are kind of like i thought you were going to be a doctor girlfriend at the time my parents are kind of like i thought you were going to be a doctor you know because i was in really good shape my whole life and then gained a bunch of weight after I lost my brother and it's like well shit's hit the fan like what better way to sure. but yeah even now like I haven't done them in several years and it's because I mean for the most part despite the ups and downs that I've told myself like you know I'm not at a crisis I don't I don't need them right now I think but, that what you might be doing there is you are putting these medicines in a box and they're, you're like expecting them to fit. This is like an in case of emergency break yeah. glass. And while they can be used for that, like there is, there are sometimes 
it is better to be proactive than reactive. Mm. You, don't, you don't need to, to create, again, you don't need to manufacture crisis. And I don't necessarily say they're like prophylactic, but um, you know, they don't, they don't have to be this magic bullet where you're like, all right, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm going to take these psychedelics and figure it out. Because what if you don't, what if one time you take the medicine and it has no answers for you? Because many times we take the medicine and we go through the process and then there's nothing there. And then you go back and you think about that experience two years later and that's when you find the lesson. And my concern is the, the process by which you are using these medicines can be a little bit prohibitive in terms of the timeline. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you go in and you don't get the lesson right away, are you going to be in a worse spot? Because now you've exhausted the one thing you expected to provide the answers. Yeah. So it might be helpful since right now things are relatively stable and going, going well. There's, at least there's nothing you know, tumultuously wrong other than the impending collapse of the Republic and the encroaching yeah. pandemic and yeah, the, the financial country. collapse of the, of the country. The void surrounding us, aside from those. <laughs> aside from those things, which are, you know, like going on for all of us, but not specific to you. Yeah. Um, it seems like everything's all right. So it <laughs> might be the time yeah. for you to just pay yourself a visit. And yeah. that is not, you know, me suggesting that you do it. I'm just, sure. I'm just creating the option giving you like the permission that you haven't given yourself that you don't have to. And this goes for therapy. It goes for psychedelics. And it, you, you know, you, you talked about surgery. You don't have to wait until the wound is so bad that you can't move. You can just get something fixed. Like we all do this. We all tend to wait until things are so bad. We can't bear it. And this is a psychological function of humanity. Right? We're very evasive and this happens with, with fitness. It happens with business. We, and we try and touch on it in copywriting and business. We, we really, what's called agitating pain within the context of, of business writing. When you're trying to get people to take action on buying a service or product, you, you go in with the, the assumption that like most people, the prospect reading this page will only change once the pain of staying the same has become too great. And so how do we increase that pain so they, they do this thing? And um, sometimes real growth is like not having to wait for it to get terrible. You can just do it now. You can just fucking fix it and just deal with it now. That was brilliant. I was not, I was not at all ready to come into this and <laughs> get some personal growth out of this, but I'm pleasantly surprised. It's yeah, it's, I think what you said is probably what hit the most. Give myself the permission. Yeah. There's sort of this, you know, yeah, don't go to, you know, don't seek help until you got to call an ambulance, you know? And yeah, and what is, I wonder what the, what the condition of that is. Like, is that, is that a societal thing? Is that how I'm raised? It's, you know, lift yourself up by your bootstraps until like you can't find your feet and then call help versus you know it's like why our medical system is all about treatment versus like well you know what if you just learn to exercise and eat your fruits and veggies and take a multivitamin you know it's certain but i i do i do think that a lot of it is cultural we don't want to ask for help a lot of it is uh ingrained in our society particularly how we we you know deal with men and our perception of masculinity Mm. and we 
argue, you know, as, as mental health advocates, we constantly are trying to overcome the stigma of there's, you know, and, and helping people understand there's nothing wrong with asking for help. There's nothing wrong with needing help. And that, that goes for everything. And it does, you know, whether it's like, if you, if you, you, you just don't have to wait until things get really bad. You're allowed to ask for help, but we, we all do. We don't want to be a nuisance. We don't want to take up space. We don't want to bother anyone. We don't want to like be seen as weak or whatever it is for you in particular. And it can be any number of a dozen, dozen different things. But at the outset of this conversation, we sort of entered into a, a world wherein we both want to help people understand it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to need help. None of this is wrong. We know no person does life alone. And that goes for you and for me. And if there's healing to be done, if there's work to be done, you don't, you don't have to wait until there's something yeah. terrible. You can just do it now. That was fantastic. You should be a therapist, man. Kind of are, dude. That was brilliant. I've, I'm having my own little like psychedelic, like, yeah. It's like the way I describe like figuring things out on psychedelics aren't like, it's not like you got some like supercomputer to fit, figure out some like protein folding, you know, simulation that you never could. It's instead, it's like, it's not my analogy. I wish I could take credit for it, but it's like staring at an optical illusion and then you finally see the face. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, it was okay. Right and it's there the whole time. Yeah. yeah. That that's what I get from psychedelics. It's right there the whole time. That's what I'm getting from this. I'm getting from this talking to you. It's just this like, oh fuck. It's absolutely true. Like, you know, if I'm starting to get burned out, it's like, don't wait till you're burned out to take a day off from podcasts. Like you're feeling fried, like take a day. Maybe don't hit the gym. Take a day, breathe. Take a warm shower. It's it's okay to not take a cold shower today. Chill out. Maybe have some Nutella. You know, go nuts. But come back tomorrow. Don't you don't need to wait until you're fried. I think yeah. I mean I think I just I, I think a lot of it is I'm still going on momentum from just being like a pre med automaton. Um, back to the kind of you know everything's relatively well except for. You know, that's how I was looking at it. I'm like, you know, everything is going good except for the part where I'm this like self-aware descendant of an ape living on a rock flying through the void and I don't understand what's going on and no one does. And is this just a dream or are we the imaginations of ourselves? Do we live in hell? Is this heaven? You know, aside from that, everything's good. <laughs> like, how do you, how are you dealing with um, quarantine for, so I, I talked to a therapist pretty frequently and have for several years and what she said to me was she said of her of her patients she said my my of everyone I know she said it seems like my patients are actually kind of faring better than just the average Joe because it's like you know it's almost, it's almost like the Hulk meme like it's almost like I was born for this it's like you've, you've been fighting the demons every day so when society shuts down it's like bro, this is the least of my problems. <laughs> like, you know, I've been bare knuckle boxing with myself every day for 10 years. How are you dealing with it just in general? Uh, like emotionally in terms of my mental health? Well, I mean, yeah, like for someone like <clears throat> myself on day one, I realized I was like, this is either going to like break me 
because I'm already admittedly just like fragile. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, I can exercise every day. Let's make a goal. Let's lose 10 pounds. Let's get up 20 podcasts. Let's, you know, read one book a week and just like, let's drill through this. And that's kind of how I'm getting through it is just, it's almost like work so hard that this peripheral thing isn't, doesn't really compare to it. It's like, I'm, that's how I'm doing it. I'm just wondering like for you. I, and I, I just want to clarify what you're asking. Sure. Are you asking for my experience of it? Or when oh. you say, how are you getting through it? Are you asking like operationally, what am I doing? How are you as someone who, I should have prefaced that, with someone who battles depression and anxiety? How is this complete shakeup of everything? Honestly, it's, uh, I'm largely unaffected by it in terms of my mental health. Um, and to touch on what you were saying, because I grew up in an abusive household and because I suffer from mental illness, um, <clears throat> my uh, nervous system and my psycholo- psychological structure is conditioned to function in like very well in periods of high stress, um, which is why over time, like in my life, I was like, oh, things are, things are too smooth. I got to fuck it up. I got to like ruin this relationship. I got to, you know, whatever. Uh, because I like, I always, yeah. you know, like hypervigilance and functioning in a heightened, um, in a heightened state of arousal. And so for me, because of that, you know, uh, level of conditioning throughout my life this is this feels fine and it feels very familiar and i am more likely to have my breakdown after it's all when things go back to whatever the new normal is when they when they when we're not in quarantine when people are back in public places and like i will i'll probably i like i i predict and i don't want to say probably i don't want to um, I predict I'm likely to have a pretty big emotional downturn, um, but I'm okay right now. I will also mention that in terms of the way this is affecting my life, I am pretty unaffected. Um, I'm out in California at the moment, which is strange because I feel very disconnected from my home state, my home city of New York, and seeing how difficult it is for them and seeing that like, you know, New York has had, like, mm. my, my city has had 12,000 deaths and yeah. it's, it's tremendous. Um, and so, you know, I'm disconnected from it, but I, I think I'd rather not be there and witness the apocalypse in, in, a, in a weird way, although I guess there might be some, if I really dig, there might be some guilt about not going down with the ship, but I'm largely unaffected. My business is online and while all of my workshops have been postponed, um, they're not, you know, it's, it's only a couple months and that's fine. And so like, I, I'm probably, you know, I'll make that income up other ways. I've taken on some new clients and, um, I am out in Cali with my dog and my partner and her dog. And we are not really, we're not seeing anyone else, yeah. but we're both working online. Uh, uh, we've taken a little bit of an income hit, but it's totally manageable. and we're very privileged. We are very aware of our privilege and that nothing has affected us directly. There's a lot of indirect stuff. My family back home in New York is very affected. Uh, my friends back home are very affected, but, uh, so I, 
as someone who works from home anyway, like I haven't felt the need to be like, I got to pick up all these new hobbies. Yeah. Like it's, you know, I'm cooking more and I'm cleaning more, but I'm not getting dressed and I'm, I walk my dog more to get out of the house, yeah. but it hasn't required me to have any sort of radical shift in behavior, but being in proximity, very close, even closer proximity with Amanda has created, you know, a few moments of tension that have provided opportunity for us to just have deeper conversations and get better at communicating. And uh, I, we certainly didn't go into this experience thinking, oh, it's going to be make or break for our relationship because we don't like think like that. We just didn't never assumed that anything would be make or break and it hasn't been, but it certainly has like given us tools that are very helpful. And I think that, uh, it, you know, getting through this experience, um, has, it, you know, it's made our relationship like a lot more fun and strong, you know, we get to just like be silly and hang out and we're like, you know, playing games and do stuff we wouldn't normally do. And we're, um, we, you know, in the year and a half we've been together, we've had exactly two arguments. We've had a number of challenging discussions, yeah. but like only two times where we like argued and they were both like over in 10 minutes and so not, and neither one of them was during this time. So it's been honestly really fine for me. Um, it's been fine for Amanda. We're good. We're, um, you know, it, what's been hard for me is watching all the craziness unfold online, whether it is the conspiracy theories or the, you know, the ridiculous bankrupt arguments that people are making with regard to if you don't come out of this with mm, a new yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, so, you know, it's like, I, it's, it's always hard for me to watch people saying stupid things, but that's just one of the, you know, that's the thing about being an American. Yeah. Like, America is like everybody, America is the rest of the world's Florida. And I hate that that's yeah. true, but it fucking is. It's, it's um, so true. And uh, got money, guns, wealth disparity. It's just a fuck of a ride. It's, yeah. Uh, but all to say, I appreciate you asking. I'm doing, I'm doing as well as, as a person can be doing right now. Oh, yeah. uh, I have some new things coming in in terms of like income and opportunity. Some things went out the door in terms of income and opportunity, but uh, my mental health is good. I am cooking more. I get to walk my dog. I am like, you know, in quarantine with my favorite person in the world. Yeah. And while I miss New York and my friends and all that, um, everybody there is, is like pretty safe and they're doing what yeah. they can do. So I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw your post the other day and it was, it was like to everyone like saying like, you have no excuse not to come out of this with a new skill. You're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're like, it is, is, and to clarify what I said earlier about like, you know, I got to do this. I got to listen. That was like my own. Like, yeah, that's for you. That's, that's like, the, and, and if that works for you, yeah. great. Yeah. That's how I yeah, put a puzzle on my own insanity. I'm like, yeah. if I have too much work to, to like, you know, focus on like, societal shutdown and collapse and you know the existential void surrounding us at all moments like it's how i keep myself distracted you know it's like a video game and the world's falling apart around me but yeah just in general that that whole like you know hey like shithead i'm looking at you don't scroll past this post if you don't come out of this learning like you don't know how to like play the symbol or like weave baskets underwater and it's like what the fuck are you talking about man like a lot of people's like older family members are I mean, my cousin's girlfriend, her two aunts died, coronavirus, like late 50s in New Jersey or outside New York. And it's like, dude, there are a lot of people. It's like, 
after 9-11, no one said like, hey, asshole, life's short, you know, you got to learn some new skills. It's like, dude, a lot of it's like, hey, like, we're getting through this. Hey, we woke up and another day is behind us. Good job, everyone. Like, that's what it should be. But it's, hey, your post was like, like, society is at a standstill. You were like, shut the fuck up. Sorry. Yeah. In, In fairness, my issue was not, it's not that I, like, fundamentally disagree with the I mean, sure. the, the position is is um is false mm-hmm. but my my position is not do nothing with this time my position is that like those arguments are made incorrectly and they're a little bit disrespectful my i am almost always arguing against the way the argument was made and the phrasing rather than the belief behind it because i think that everyone is entitled to their beliefs i i truly believe in the democratization of communication, but I also believe in the, the respectful presentation of ideas. Mm-hmm. And if you believe, so you know, to present like, if you come out of this, if you don't come out of this with more money or blah, 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 you didn't lack time, you lack discipline, that operation, that, that, um, that, that argument is, is logically void because many people don't have more time many people in addition to now working at home are also like full-time stay-at-home parents and they're homeschooling their kids and they have to care for people and the you know all of this other stuff so so the the argument just doesn't make sense and so my my position was partially against the insensitivity of the argument but also i was pointing out the the logical flaws in the way that it was made and that's a big part of my work because you know and i I think you can get you can get there through therapy you can get there through rhetoric you can get there through storytelling you can get there through psychedelics having the ability to get to a place of objectivity and kind of see like if i didn't feel this way about this thing and somebody just presented it to me as a neutral observer would i still believe it Mm -hmm. and uh sometimes if you dig deep enough you don't have an argument you don't have a position you just have a feeling and that feeling is valid and it's okay and i don't want to take anyone's feelings from them but i do feel compelled to help educate people that there is a way that they can do some work and decide like yes this feeling is me and Mm -hmm. i projecting it onto other people and adding a value judgment to it is incorrect Mm -hmm. and so if you happen to be unaffected by this crisis and you happen to have more time and you want to this is a great opportunity to do whatever those things are and if you have more time and are not affected other and you don't want to that's cool Cool too too. (laughs) yeah and but yeah the, the whole premise that like maybe you you know some people don't have more time and even if they have more time the 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 problem is with the it's not just like a time discipline version. it's like there are other there are other criteria that go into it like energy money and some of these other things yeah maybe you have more time um but those other resources might be depleted Mm. and so that's you know that's the the other piece as well so i i really just my problem there and the reason I was willing to make such a big stink about it is because it, it was so outwardly dumb in terms of the way the argument was made. It was just a really easy way to kind of demonstrate this is, this is a really dumb way to argue. This is incorrect yeah. arguing. This is like 
this is faulty rhetoric and faulty yeah. logic and uh, that's there's just no no benefit to anyone by doing that yeah that's well that's what i always i love about your posts is it's not just it's not a reactionary argument against someone that's as baseless and as emotionally based as as the initial argument you are you're incredibly well written and now speaking to you you're incredibly well spoken so it that's what i like about it is my ins i mean i'm the example of how it shouldn't go i'm like fuck that argument that's stupid and you are very calm almost like obama-esque like i'm not going political just ability to orate is, is fantastic thank you again not to again guess no, but no no I, I appreciate it i appreciate the acknowledgement because i've worked hard on that but it, to be fair to you and and also just transparent my first response to something might be that's fucking stupid what's wrong with you but i don't say that outwardly i'm you know the way that i approach just about anything is always right drunk edit sober which is if i'm in a moment of emotional activation i try to get all of that out so that i can go through and analyze why do i feel the way i feel what is my position do i agree with it or disagree with it is it activating something for me and is there a way to say this that is that is defensible because i understand that his position is based on a feeling so is mine my you know but i happen to be willing to to take my position and my my whatever it is i think is quote right and push that through a nexus of uh, like a, like a like a rhetorical checklist, and then find a way to present it that is in line with uh, with argument and and logic. And I don't, I, I I do not hope that everyone will do it. I don't waste hope on that, but it's the way that I like to take care of things. And I uh, that whether it's rhetoric or copywriting, there's a there's great benefit to knowing how to do that. It will help you in your life as and you'll help when you're in your relationships. It will help you in your writing. It will help you in your podcasting and it will help you in your self-development and your, and your psych, you know, your psychological healing because there's so much value in being able to quit as quickly as humanly possible, get to the moment of object objectivity and just say, uh, Oh, I actually, I don't have a point. Yeah. I, I don't have a point. I have a feeling. Yeah. And then just work through that. Yeah. And sometimes that happens in the middle of a conversation with someone. And I, you know, uh, a number of times I've been in a, in a, what some people might call an argument with some people and I, they say something and it just, uh, something clicks and I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I didn't think of that. Nope. Now I agree with you. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just, it's such a helpful thing to be able to just fall into that and be like, Oh no, no, no. I would. Yes. I changed my mind. Now I agree with you. Yeah. And yeah. just most people are unwilling to be wrong in that way. And the more you study rhetoric and copy and therapy and it's like that, all of that stuff, it gets you to a place of objectivity because I'm not, I'm not interested in being right to make someone else wrong. I'm interested in, sometimes I'm interested in peace. Other times I'm interested in consensus. Other times I'm interested in explanation, but I don't want to be right just to be right. Yeah. You know, there's not, there's not uh, anything there for me. Yeah. Right. And sometimes, you know, when I'm, if, if we're, it, it depends, like in a case, like the one we discussed, I don't mind being what's called heuristic about it. 
And aristicism is a type of argument where you see it in debate where you're like scoring a lot of points by mm. proving someone wrong. And if my goal is to be aristic, then and it's not just because I want to like dunk on this person and tear them apart point by point. It's because I've entered into that conversation with an awareness. I will probably not change this person's mind, mm. but the argument isn't solely about them. Similarly, like if I were in a presidential debate, I am not going to change my opponents. Like, you know, if we're on opposite sides of this political issue, yeah. I'm not going to change your mind. But when I go through point by point and show you, and, and you know, it's about the people watching mm -hmm. and for the purposes of my audience and my, the people who I am trying to educate, uh, if I'm being heuristic, it's because I want them to consider all of these points, not just because I want to tear someone apart. And there's, there's a lot of ways to do it. Sometimes you, you know, I saw my ego, I try, I try to get out of it as much as possible. Uh, but I will openly admit that when I'm like crushing a debate, I'm like, there's a part of me that's really excited to be doing so well. And that's okay. And that's, yeah. you know, that's part of the work. Yeah. Yeah. You play the position of like, yeah, of, of competitor. Um, yeah, I was going to say, Keep talking to you in, in, in person as opposed to messaging. I, can't, I don't know if you ever listen to or read any Alan Watts or, or Ram Dass. Yep. But they talked about, I don't know if it was them or if they're quoting someone, but they're like, you can always tell when you're talking to, again, apparently this episode, I'm just kissing your ass, but you can always tell to someone that is, you know, that has worked on themselves more. It's like you can always tell because it's almost like, it's like, when you say or bring up reactionary things to them, it's almost like throwing a rock down a bottomless well. <laughs> you're used to throwing it and you're like, where's the crash? Mm. And you're like, where is it? And there's no, it doesn't spit the rock back at you. It's just, you don't really know what to do. You can't get mad because they didn't actually do anything back. But, um, and I, and I say that in a positive way. Cause it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's something I would like to get to. And it, it seems, you know, I'm looking at you and I'm like, I feel like, I don't know, I'm 29. I feel like, you know, maybe he was as batshit crazy as me at 29. Probably like, more so. Yeah. 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 Last four years in particular has been, it's been all, all the work is like last four years. So that yeah. helps. It's, but yeah, I mean, I do look at it as like, man, that's like a, that is like a level I would like to get to. It's maybe it's just a beautiful presentation. Maybe you've just fine honed the facade, but you have a very confident, thought out presentation and you, you said something earlier that again kind of shed light on something that I didn't even realize I do but it is something I do I mean so I mean studied seven days a week in college to get into med school got in a week afterwards decided I didn't want to go a couple months after that lost sibling suicide it was just years of chaos moved home we'll do it you go with like five more minutes yeah um moved home it was more chaos and now it's, you know, been home for a couple of years and I'm finally feel like I kind of am getting things figured out and like I'm in online graphic design school, working on this podcast, it, relationships are getting better. I almost feel like I'm so used to insanity that there is a part of me that fears like, what if I get this thing I've been working towards? What if I can make money off something that I love? and be able to like move out and just live a normal 29 year old life. Is there going to be like a certain tranquility? Am I just going to fuck it up? Cause that's what I'm used to. And you said that, and I never thought about it before, but I was like, 
as soon as you said that, I was like, oh my God, is that what I'm going to do? Like, is it, how have, how have you grown from that? How have you become less of an insane person like me into the seemingly balanced person that you are now that I hope, I hope to become? Firstly, um, it might be helpful to stop talking about yourself like that. Yeah. And to uh, stop referring okay. to yourself as an insane person okay. and to accept that the tendency you have, the, the patterning you have, didn't, you didn't choose it. You didn't just decide, I'm going to be the type of person who thrives in chaotic environments. Uh, you have to acknowledge you're not thriving in chaotic environments. Mm-hmm. You are familiar with them. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, big fan of the specificity of words. It's very important to me. And people misuse words often. Not words like saying literally when you mean figuratively, but we conflate words that mean, that can mean in different contexts, similar things, but they're very different. Mark Twain said the difference between the right word and the nearly right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. And many times people use the word comfortable when they mean familiar. So I don't think you're comfortable in chaos. I think you're very uncomfortable in chaos, but you are familiar with it. And sometimes the familiarity is less scary than the unfamiliar unknown of tranquility, because what can happen there? I'll have to sit with myself. I'll have to be quiet. Mm -hmm. I will have to, you know, now do this work. And so am I likely to get this thing that I want and then quote, fuck it up to create chaos? Possibly. You very possibly are. The first thing I would tell you is to realize that getting the thing that you want will not give you what you want or need. There's a great piece that I, I, there's a couple of pieces that I wrote about the hero's journey and how the prize is not the prize. Getting the thing that you want is a necessary step uh, to realizing that it might not be the thing that you want at all. Ryan Holiday wrote a fantastic piece uh, called um, like what happens when you get everything you want? And the answer is nothing. He talks about how he was mowing the lawn when he got the the email that his book hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, in the in the article, he quotes Oscar Wilde, who said there are two tragedies in life: one is not getting anything you want, and the other is getting everything you want. And the the truth is. And I don't believe that you're at a place where you can accept this yet, but you will come to see this retroactively. The truth is you, you may get the thing that you want and then realize that like the thing itself, the tangible thing, the podcast that makes money, career, whatever, those are things that you wanted, but they're not the thing that you need, which is this feeling of, um, of healing, of being okay, living a normal life, whatever that is. You know, maybe they'll allow you the finances to live um, self-sustainingly and that will feel good in a way. You have to heal this this feeling that like you're not good enough because you dropped out of med school. Um, you said you bring it up on every podcast because you need to stroke your own ego. I don't think that's why you do it. I think you bring it up on every podcast because you need to to keep touching this toothache and make sure it still hurts because there are still people in your life who for what, whether this is actually them thinking it or whether you think they think it and you're projecting it outwardly that you're not, that you messed up by not going to med school, that you, that oper- you're conflating 
opportunity with obligation. Yes, you're smart enough to be a doctor and you had the opportunity to be a doctor and you could have gone to med school, but that doesn't, just because you got in doesn't mean you have to go. Just because you could be a doctor doesn't mean you have to be a doctor. Just because you had the opportunity to have a prestigious career and make your parents proud and give them something to brag about doesn't mean that you're obligated to do that. You are allowed to make the decisions you've made and you haven't healed that yet, which is why you keep bringing up that you got into med school but didn't go. And so the, the healing that you need around having a career and being self-sustaining in terms of finances and your living situation, getting the thing that you want in terms of monetizing the podcast or, or you know, having a career in design that, that allows you to do that, you're going to have to get there to see this. And then once you get there and it feels empty in some way, then you will again, turn inward and heal that it is allowed. You are okay about not being a doctor. Mm. And with regard to, quote, fucking it up and the chaotic environment, uh, you might do that. You might get there and you're like, okay, well, this didn't make me happy. And I, I don't know how to be happy, but I do know how to be activated. I do know how to be in crisis. And so I will manufacture that. I will fight with my parents or I will, I will get, I will gain a bunch of weight back so that now I have this new problem to solve. I will fuck up some relationship in my life so that I have to start my, my redemption arc of like proving that I can be a good person instead of just being one. And it is my hope that you don't do that, but I acknowledge you might. And it's important that you remember you are not going there because it's comfortable. You're going there because it's familiar. You do not have to manufacture crisis in your life. You do not have to manufacture chaos. You do not need a fire to put out to feel like you are productive. You can just be productive. That is allowed, Tommy. And you will either let this sink in or you won't. And if, it, if you need to go through that cycle one or two more times, and then come back to this conversation, some things cannot be taught. They can only be learned. And experience is the bridge between knowledge and wisdom. And wisdom is always the lesson you need right after you need it. So I acknowledge that maybe none of this, saying any of this will do the thing that we both want it to do, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't say it to you and tell you, you're okay. And it's all, you can just do the things that you want. And that goes for you and anyone else listening. You don't have to hurt yourself. You, buy, you don't have to hurt other people. You don't have to create new problems in your life because what you're doing is just creating outward external things to focus on because there's something internal that's too terrifying to face. And at some point, you're going to have to face that, whether it is the unresolved stuff about your brother's suicide, whether it is the unresolved stuff like if, I, if things are calm and I am sitting too long, am I going to get suicidal the way John was? Am I like him? If I have the good career and I'm good looking and jacked and have the smoking hot girlfriend and I'm, am I still not happy, am I going to do the same thing John did? If you check all the boxes that he checked and you're still not happy, what's left but to do the last thing that he did. And you don't have to do any of that. What you do need to do is turn inward and address some of these wounds because if you don't solve the thing inside, you're gonna keep giving yourself things to focus on outside.
and you you may manifest that by quote fucking it up quitting getting the job dropping out of school you know doing 15 16 episodes of doing 100 episodes of the podcast and right before it breaks and then and then stopping and not monetizing and doing the thing sabotaging yourself walking away right before the finish line you may do any of those things and maybe you need to that's part of the journey part of the journey is that you have to learn the there's no skipping the lesson you know i'm I'm, legitimately i'm i'm trying not to tear up that was Yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this part out. At the very, it's just me. Yeah, take time. I really need to hear all that, man. Yeah. I, again, I'm not I'm not gonna put this part in just because. Okay. Fuck, man. <laughs> I feel like I should be paying you for this therapy session. It's just here's here's another little piece of quotable knowledge. There are some things that can never be paid back. They can only be paid forward. I don't need anything from you. There's nothing that you are in a position to do for me that is going to help me as much as this conversation is helping you. So you have to pay it forward. At some point, maybe it's 10 years from now, maybe it's five, maybe it's 20. Someone else will be sitting there and they'll be sitting here and you, they will need to hear some version of this. And as long as you carry this conversation in your head and in your heart, whether or not it helps you right now, at some point you have it with them and our debt is cleared. God damn. Sean Romanell, 2024, the person we all need. Dude, that you know what? I, I'm just gonna upload the whole thing. That will help me with my own ego loss. Be a yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to depart in the midst of such waiting. No, 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 no. It, you, to go. And it's longer than yeah. you said, and I. No, it's fine. Um, so thank you so much for this conversation, for being vulnerable to to me and to your listeners. I know they'll appreciate it. I know that you were thinking about cutting that part out, and I'm glad that you've decided not to because there's so many people, particularly men, who are feeling the things that we feel, and they're sitting with the fear of letting the world see it. And so mm-hmm. I think that you're, this is a, this is a, you're, you hear that low? It's like, did, 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 did. Just leveled up. <laughs> Uploading this is you leveling up. And I'm proud of you. I've got to go. I'm Thank you, man. I'm glad we able to do this. And uh, so stay much. healthy, stay safe, and anything you need, man, reach out. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Take care. Talk Peace. Soon.